What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi. So before we get into this episode, we wanted to thank you for listening and let you know a couple of things you can do to support the show and make sure we can keep bringing it to you every single week. First, and frankly, most fun things first, our Secret Menu membership program, which is a once-weekly members-only newsletter that costs four bucks a month, which comes out to, you know, a dollar a week. If you enjoy our free Monday newsletter, chances are you'll probably like this one too. It's got shopping picks, gift guides, recipes, rundowns of our favorite things in various categories like what are the cute toilet brushes? A question I know you have been asking. And it even has an advicey column where we answer audience questions. Sign up for it at a thing or two hq.com and you'll even get access to all the back issues you missed while you were sleeping on it. And here's something else you can do to help us out that doesn't cost a dime. Subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You may have noticed that discovery is still stupidly hard when it comes to podcasts and subscriptions and reviews make a big difference in helping us get on the radar of other new listeners. All right, so you want a third thing? Support our advertisers. Use these codes that they give us when you shop with them. We only work with brands we believe in and we hope you love them as much as we do. We're ridiculously grateful to you for listening and for showing us your support in whatever way you do. Thank you. And now on to the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thingortwohq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. And as a reminder, we offer free ad reads to Black-owned businesses, so hit us up at podcast at a thing or two HQ.com if you'd like to take advantage. Hey. Hi. We've got a good um, bag episode. We haven't we, done one of these in a while. No, and it is a grab bag. It is a true grab bag. As promised. As <laughs> promised. Where should we start with this, with this grab bag, Claire? Well, first of all, should we tell everybody what's on the docket? Please, please. That's a good place to start. Okay. That's an appropriate place to start. We're going to talk about rice. Yes, rice. We're, we're going to talk about hospital bags. Like, like go bags. Yeah, go bags for when you're having a baby. Yeah. Um, and what our jobs are now. I, this is, what a spectrum, what a spread. I'm glad we're leaving what our jobs are now for the end because I think that's the only thing people really want to know and then they'll have to listen to the whole episode to make it through. I, you know what? <laughs> I would like to know about rice. I'm interested in the topic of rice. Um, yeah, no, I think a lot of our, I think, I think our <laughs> listeners are too. Take it, back. Take, it back. <laughs> I take it back. I take it back. I do take it back. Um, I've been thinking about rice a lot lately because- yeah. 
I was reflecting on the fact as one does when you think about things that were seem totally normal to you as a kid and then you realize not every other family is doing. We yeah. had we had rice with like every single meal as like a side. Like that was always the side, rice. Did you? No. I, I'm also kind of surprised you did because I think of your house as like a bread household. Interestingly, we didn't really become that until I maybe I went to college. That's when Metropolitan Bakery became a thing in Philadelphia and my parents started crossing state lines to get their hands on bread. <laughs> and like before then, bread was only a thing when we were visiting my mom's family in California because there was La Brea Bakery and stuff like that. And you could like, like California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It yeah. was very much a California thing. And then I think at some point, like good bread started becoming more of a trend on the East Coast. And that's when it became a thing for my family. So... You had rice with everything, just like plain white rice? Yes, exactly. Plain white rice. And like not, there was never butter in it. It was just like plain rice cooked on the stovetop. And I like, and when I think it was made fresh every night. Yes, exactly. And it was like, if we were having roast chicken. Anything made fresh every night, Claire, I'm like, (laughs) this is out of control. I continue to be, I mean, I've I've said this before, but my parents used to make fresh pasta like regularly. It's insane to me and I don't understand it. My only explanation is that email wasn't a thing then. (laughs) Just like worked less. Like you went to work and then you came home yes. from work and you didn't work again until you went back to work the next That's day. right. That's yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. No, they made rice. So it was like having steak. We're also having rice. We're having roast chicken. We're also having rice. We're having... And then there were things where there's an obvious rice accompaniment like curry or something. But sure. And I feel like but pasta... steak and rice is unlikely. Agreed. But in my yeah. house... Steak was, and potatoes are, yes. are... That's the classic combination. <laughs> no, we had rice for everything. My dad... Like a lot of the things he cooks have these like nice marinades and sauces. Like whenever he cooks a roast chicken, there's always a nice jus on the side and same with with steak. And then she would always put that on the rice. And that was- I do. I mean, I do prefer like a rice for sopping up anything to any other option. Well, and yes. And that's like how it was just always done. And I was reminded when I was home recently because my dad served us chicken milanese with a side of rice. And I was like, this is delicious to me and very comforting, but wow, like this is not normal pairing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the rice was so good. And I said, why is this so good? Did you use a rice cooker? Because they did buy a rice cooker in the last like five or so years. And they fight about it all the time because my dad thinks it's not necessary. And, you know, obviously my mom wanted it. And my dad said, no, it's that he started using sushi rice and he realized how good it was. And now he uses sushi rice for everything. And I was like, I, I like this move. I'm me very too. interested in this move. Me too. I was like, it's so much better than, or I really prefer it to like basmati or jasmine. Yeah. yeah. And it's got the best texture and like, I don't know. Shape. Yeah. It was really, and it's like nice and sticky. And I was like, I love it. I'm going to do it too. It holds sauces better, which again, also, as we've mentioned, yeah. is like kind of the point here. Yeah. Um, so I so you so, started doing it too. I started doing it too. I asked him for instructions. I was like, how do you have to cook it a certain way? And of course, then got a, an earful about the specifics <laughs> of it because also this is a man who refuses to use like machinery to do it. And I just yeah. looked at him. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to put it in the Instant Pot and whatever happens, happens. Um, and he was like, but you just, you got it. And I was like, it's too, I hate cooking rice on the stovetop. And I never used to cook rice at all until I got the Instant Pot because it, it's hard, I think, to cook it on the stovetop. I do feel like rice is one of those things that confounds even like talented chefs. It does. And I have to say, as someone who did not grow up cooking yeah. rice, I I don't think it's that much of a struggle. I don't know why. Um, we also cook brown rice, which it, most mm. of the time at home, which I, it cooks so much more slowly. So I yes. think like it's less time sensitive. I also think you're just a more patient and precise chef, like as is my dad. 
Um, Maybe. I don't know. I'm I'm not good at being precise about things. So I really appreciate the Instant Pot. And my like thing about the Instant Pot is that I read that rice doesn't cook as well in the Instant Pot unless you're doing two cups or more, which is a lot of mm-hmm. rice. Mm-hmm. But I've actually come to appreciate it because I will always cook two cups at a time and then I will have some for like fried rice or- I just, love like, having leftover rice. Yeah, me too. Love um, having leftovers. What do you do with it? Fried rice, duh. Fried rice is an obvious thing. I will do, like, if I'm cooking a soup or something, I'll, like, put it in the soup. Um, there's a, a red lentil soup that is so good with rice that I really love. I never think to put rice in soup. It's a very good idea. Or I'll just, like, reheat it as a side dish for the next night. So I'll do, I'll just put a little bit of water and then microwave it for a bit. But I also will use it in place of rice noodles, like, for, like, a Vietnamese yeah. like, salad type thing. I'll just, yeah. or, you know, put it to soak up dressing and stuff like that. Well, I think leftover rice is especially good for that. Yeah. Too, yes, because it's agreed. like not as wet. Um, yeah. It's dried out a little bit. So it's like open to having more sauce and dressing. That's right. All over it. Um, yeah. The other thing I do is I'll do like a breakfast skillet where I'll like saute whatever greens or broccoli stems or whatever we have around and then throw in some rice and then crack eggs into it. And then the bottom Whoa. of the rice crisps up. <gasps> I've never um, had rice and eggs. Well, I guess I oh, have yeah. Duh, like fried rice and lots of Asian dishes. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, eggs, yeah. But I've never yeah. thought of it as like a breakfast thing. Very good. Very, very good. Oh, interesting. Yum. Yeah. So starchy. Big fan of that. So starchy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and um, I know you've been looking for hot breakfasts. This I is, have been looking for hot breakfasts. This is like a good lately. way to like use stuff up. The other thing I do sometimes is if we order takeout where rice is an option, I'll just order an extra thing or two of it just to have Smart. the rice um, because I, that rice is also cooked very well. And it's like a buck or two and it just yeah. feels so nice to have. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you so much to Sakara for sponsoring today's episode. Truly thank you because I love this brand and this product so much and I am so excited to be partnering with them, which you probably know because I've talked about them a lot. So Sakara is a meal delivery service. It's all really healthy and here's the thing, it all tastes so good. And I've been highly suspicious of pretty much any like prepackaged meal that has ever come my way, even the ones that I get from Saqqara, despite the fact that I've done it so many times. And every time my expectations are surpassed, it just tastes good. It's like, I don't know how they do it. They have incredible dressings. I wish that they bottled and sold their dressing. It's really fresh ingredients. And they just have managed to come up with recipes that keep really well and that like are well position to to be like in your fridge for a day or two before you get to eat them. Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. Their organic ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful plant-based ingredients, and they are designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. I say yes to all of this. It like it really does just sort of like get you on that right track to feeling better and wanting to keep eating healthier. It is the perfect thing for if you're just in a place where you're like, I need a little bit of a jump start in my diet right now. The menu changes weekly so you'll never get bored and it's delivered fresh anywhere in the US. Along with delicious plant-rich meals, Sakara also offers daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas to support your nutrition. So experience the power of plants as medicine with their best-selling metabolism superpower. Made with organic raw cacao, it works to boost energy, eliminate bloating, minimize sugar cravings, and reduce fatigue. Sakara has received rave reviews from Vogue, Goop, The New York Times, and more. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash a thing or two or enter code a thing or two at checkout. That's Sakara. 
S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash a thing or two to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash a thing or two. Thank you so much for supporting the sponsors who support our show. My other rice things, I like love doing coconut rice. I feel like in any dish that might benefit from coconut rice, you should just make it coconut rice. It's so yes. good. And coconut, leftover coconut rice for fried rice is like incredible. Coconut rice, fried rice is amazing. I should be doing this more with things that were, I, I feel like I end up with like half a can of coconut milk more than I like. See, um, I never, if it calls for half a, half a can, I'm like, let's just do the whole one. <laughs> yeah. Never heard anybody. So I, t- I agree. Yeah. I think that's the right, yeah. I think that's the right philosophy. There's some things that, I think of what it is that I like bake with where that's not really an option. Oh, okay. yeah. 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 I don't bake with it. I feel like like my rule of thumb is just to sub, like put sub part of the water for a can of coconut milk. But there are recipes where like, I think Chrissy Teigen has a really good coconut rice recipe that involves sugar and some other, and like maybe the coconut, uh, dried coconuts. Uh, yes. Shavings like super hardcore like coconut rice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But even just a, just like throwing in a can in lieu of some water is, uh, it just makes it richer and yummier and a little bit sweet. When mm-hmm. you were pregnant, there was like Coke, there was a rice that you were obsessed <sighs> with. The like $2 Bodega Vigo yellow rice, which is just, it's like a Spanish rice seasoned with saffron. Yeah. And I ate so much of it. It is, it is really delicious. And I just, it became a pregnancy craving, something that didn't give me acid reflux like everything else did. And now I can't, I mean, I actually only came back to it really recently because I ate so much that I became totally grossed out by it. Um, but that's it's, fair. It's delicious. It's so good with tacos, anything, you know, even vaguely Mexican. It's wonderful. It also feels like it'd just be good with like a simple protein where you're like, well, oh, like to serve like definitely. white rice with this feels truly depressing. <laughs> that is very true. It's great. Yes. Like for like chicken or fish or whatever, just to that's a great idea actually because I've been doing a lot of fish with rice and beans like once a week at Mm, least mm -hmm. and I do feel like having it be yellow rice would really uh, mix things up up for my family. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You are welcome. Um, You are absolutely welcome. After I kicked yellow rice out of the house, I went on a big brown rice kick um, Mm -hmm. because it's so good. As I mentioned in this lentil uh, soup recipe and I just became really enamored of the texture because it's it's just like grainier. It's a little it's like, like chewier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I am so sick of quinoa and started subbing brown rice into like most grain salads that call for quinoa or farro or whatever because I, I just do that really too. like the taste I, and the texture. I think it's really good. And it, it just, it feels, I mean, I know rice is grain, but it feels more like grainy than like a grain than regular white rice does. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, yeah, I think that's true. It's tougher. It keeps well. I just think it's really underrated. I never cooked with it before, like a couple of years ago or hadn't frequently. And then I was like, oh, this is so versatile. Why am I not using it in so many things? Yes, absolutely. What are the other things that I make with rice that I've been very into? One of them, my favorite Szechuan restaurant in Queens called Little Pepper makes this scallion fried rice that I was really, really craving a couple months ago. Um, and finally we like went out there and ordered takeout and like did that thing. But in the meantime, I did my best impersonation of, <laughs> of this recipe or best like version of this, which was basically to make fried rice like normal, but in the stage where I would typically add like a soy sauce or like mm-hmm. a mirin or whatever to 
take it, like I put scallions, garlic cloves, and a chunk of ginger in a food processor and basically make a slurry, add a little water if you need yeah. to or whatever. And it all just like coats the rice in this green, so flavorful juice. The other thing that I have done is uh, Samin Nosrat has this Persianish rice recipe that is like an easy, like beginner's tadig, basically. I've still been too intimidated by it. I was for a long time too. And I think there was just like one moment where I was like, I need to cook something interesting or like something that like, that is like actually sad like, I don't know. There's like nothing was satisfying me. And this just sounded so good that I was like, fine, I'll do it. Um, And it was definitely like submitting to it in that way. Like, (laughs) okay, I will. So you cook the rice al dente and then you take out part of it, mix that with yogurt, warm up some butter and oil in a, in a big skillet, and then put the yogurt rice on the bottom of the skillet and the rest of the rice on top. And this then- This does sound so good. Doesn't it? Yeah. And then I think you poke holes to let steam escape, maybe cover it. I can't remember. I'm like missing that part of my memory there. And you cook it until the bottom gets a crust and then flip it onto a plate. God, that sounds so good. It's so good. Yeah. Doesn't it just like feel like it's scratching an itch that you yeah. can't scratch? Does it, does, is the flip hard? No, not. I thought the flip was going to be hard. Um, And she is very clear that like, if the flip is not perfect, it doesn't matter because it's going to taste great. And the like old Persian grandmas are always like, I meant to do that. It's fine. (laughs) Oh, the other thing I was thinking of that I really, I didn't think of it until I started recording or I would have tried to do a better job of actually sourcing this. I think this was like a Twitter thing that someone was saying in maybe it was in a journalism class um some a professor was saying at the start that at the start of their class each semester she asks her students how their family prepares rice huh. as like an ent- a way to introduce themselves I and love that she said that it just like very quickly sets the stage of like we're all different we all have different perspectives we all come from different places yeah. and there's like no one like right or wrong way to go about these things and even these small things just shed so much light onto who you are and where you came from that's so interesting isn't it it's so, so good? good yeah i briefly dated a guy in college who cooked rice like pasta Mm. like as drained it yeah Yeah. and I remember thinking it was so ridiculous and then years later reading that somebody like it I don't think it was Amanda Hesser but somebody of her ilk being like this is how I cook rice because I can't do it any other way I always totally and I was like oh okay it's not insane turns out yeah love that yeah um rice who knew there was so much to say we did we, we did. <laughs> so we, the people who have also done a 20-minute segment on sweet potatoes in another episode, we knew. And artichokes. That's Just right. the best. Just the best for us. That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much to Function of Beauty for sponsoring today's episode. So I think I've, I like have so many weird hair complaints and they don't necessarily (laughs) jibe with each other where it's like, I feel like my hair is frizzy, but also my scalp is oily and like blah, 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 Mm, blah. I feel this. And weirdly, you can't just go buy a shampoo off a shelf that says for an oily scalp and frizzy (laughs) True. Um, Weird. So strange. So unlikely, which is something that makes Function of Beauty really amazing. So you take this quiz and you input all your weird gripes and your whole laundry list of things you would like to change about your hair. And they come up with a formula that is just for you. You can also choose 
to not have dyes or you could choose the color of the shampoo if you have a bathroom color scheme you want <laughs> you want your conditioner to match. Um, you can choose to not have silicones in your product. You can choose to have unscented um, shampoo and conditioner or you can choose your scent and the level of the scent. There is so much customization happening. It's crazy. It's really impressive. Function of Beauty is the world leader in customizable beauty, offering precise formulations for your hair's specific needs. Talk about like insane, the level of options you can have. There are over 54 trillion possible formulations. Trillion with a T. With a T. <laughs> and Function of Beauty has over 50,000 real five-star reviews. Every ingredient Function of Beauty uses is vegan and cruelty-free, and they never use sulfates or parabens. You can also go completely silicone-free. And Function of Beauty offers completely personalized formulas for body and skincare as well, so you can customize your beauty routine from hair to toe. So get started, take that quiz, tell them if you want to lengthen, volumize, oil control, choose your color and fragrance, and then the team gets to work figuring out like your perfect blend. And there are, you can change it because your hair changes seasonally. So you just like subscribe, but then you're like, okay, I no longer am worried about frizz because it's summer. My hair is not as dry. So I want to update this. Never buy off the shelf just to be disappointed ever again. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash a thing or two to take your quiz and save 20% on your first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash a thing or two to let them know you heard about it from our show and get 20% off your order. That's functionofbeauty.com slash a thing or two. hospital bags. Oh, another thing about which there is so much to say. I, here's my first question to kick yeah. this off. When did the like hospital bag reveal become a thing? I have absolutely no idea. And I did not become aware of it until I myself was pregnant and was paying yeah. attention to more of these things. This year, the internet gifted us two extraordinary hospital bag reveals in a really short period of time. And I think I think that's when it it became really top of mind for us um, to just yeah. explore the psychological depths of the hospital bag, the hospital to go bag, because it really is. It's not a utilitarian thing. It is because ultimately the hospital has everything you need. It is, and like if you really thought about what you might need that the hospital didn't have, it would be boring. Um, it <laughs> yes. would just be it would not be worthy of an Instagram. <laughs> no, there would not need to be video content. No. Um, I have been really intrigued by the fact that in Googling like hospital go bag, the number of uh, YouTube videos that come up that have actually need or really (laughs) used in the titles, I think speaks to to it. Issue. (laughs) Because what the hospital bag is, is it is a pregnant person's last grasp at at any semblance of control. (laughs) Exactly. At any semblance of control over their lives in the final moments that they might actually be able to exert some. Hence how utterly insane that they are. Um, Can you, as a close viewer Uh of two of this year's most remarkable hospital go bags, can you walk us through the sorts of things that might get put in um, that could by some be deemed non-essential? Well, I want to start with (laughs) the fact that... (laughs) So the two two that we've watched most recently and dissected are Nell Diamond, founder of Hill House Home, and Hannah Bronfman, founder of HB Fit, and just like, professional. Gal about the internet. Yeah. Gal about the internet. Um, Nell 
brought the th- it brought so many insane things. The two that stick out in my mind are two hardback full length novels, as if there's such thing as a non full length novel. But <laughs> like she picked these. You just really want to hammer home the <laughs> fact that they were full books, <laughs> chapter books. They were chapter, chapter books. books. I was astounded. Like what? I've only had one baby in my life and everybody's experience is different, but I read no books during my hospital stay. What were you doing? I I can't remember, but I know I wasn't reading books. Um, (laughs) She brought multiple nap dresses, which is, I don't think most of our listeners need an explainer. Need an explainer, but it's like, they're mostly white, like frilly dresses. And I was bleeding. Pajama-ish, but could be not. Yeah. Right. And they're frilly. And- I bled a ton. Um, and I didn't, I just only wore black clothes for a, a while after giving birth. But, you know, it was on brand for her to each th- their own. She brought an incredible amount of skincare, but it didn't come close to Hannah Bronfman's skincare arsenal that she brought, which included sheet masks. That's where I was like, I, and listen, as a person Ma'am. who's not, I don't like sheet masks, but I do not either. Who's doing a sheet mask in the hospital? Here's the thing for me about sheet masks. Mm-hmm. They're deeply uncomfortable. Yes. They're always slip sliding <laughs> yes. off your face. Here is a period, a moment in your life where you're guaranteed discomfort. Yes. Like, and maybe your face is one of the few things that isn't hurting or isn't like in like, it isn't like, what am I doing right yeah. now? Maybe leave it be. I don't <laughs> Just know. leave it be. <laughs> a lot, another really common thing for bloggers and influencers and whoever to pack is like electric tea lights and mm. mood setting. Mood Lots setting. of like mood setting. Like little votives because you can't light actual candles. So you need the little electric votives, salt lamps, oil diffuser. Jenna Dewan packed a yeah. salt lamp and an oil diffuser. Very common. Very <laughs> a common. lot of people like have the playlists ready to go. And again, everybody's different, but I was just not that person. And no. I can't imagine. And I, my guess is that even if I had had like my eye on doing that, that by the time I got to the hospital, I'd just be like, it's just not worth it. I don't know. You can't like put lipstick on a pig. You can't make your hospital labor and delivery room into a spa. I just... I like that you said you can't put lipstick on a pig (laughs) because I would like to use that as a transition. Um, You did in fact pack a hospital to go go bag as one does um, and included certain things that you didn't use, one of which was makeup. Oh, I fully packed makeup. And I want to say that my hospital go bag was bonkers and I make no excuses. And I never intended for it to get insane. Just one day leave my pregnancy. (laughs) I was never like, this is going to be a thing. But one day late in my pregnancy, I was like, I, it's probably time I should like start packing this. should and think what, about this. What happens and what I assume happens to many women is you're sitting there on the floor of your bedroom with a suitcase and like some stuff and you're like, I actually have no, I don't know what I'm going to need. I have no yeah. clue what to pack. So you turn to the internet and the internet has crazy answers only. So yeah. then you find Because yourself- anyone who's making a video <laughs> yes. of the, making their hospital go bag is putting crazy things in it. So I just watched the first YouTube video that came up, which as it turns out in trying to find this is still the first YouTube video that comes up. And it's like, 
15 minutes long. And when I went to find it again this time, it turned out this woman had had another baby in March and recorded another video, like what I packed for baby number two. Yeah, there's a sequel. And Um, I mean, we talked about full-length novels before. These are almost like full-length films. Oh yeah, they're feature (laughs) films. So this is the problem is that like the internet is encouraging this behavior. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, of course, like we're all If you go looking for this information, you're going to be served the most insane version of this information. Yeah. Yeah. So- a lot of people talk about like, well, they only give you these socks and then you're not wearing shoes, so you should have slippers. So somehow I ended up with a pair of Jessica Simpson slippers. Like I purchased a pair of Jessica Simpson slippers on the internet and I was like, this is coming to the hospital. Oh, because they were like, you don't want to bring your nice slippers from your home. Because the hospital. You're taking them to the hospital, you're walking around. Like I didn't need to do that. The grippy socks they give you are totally fine, in fact. That said, I did do an interview with you the day that you had Cam at yeah. the hospital. And <laughs> one of the things that you did note is you liking the slippers. I did I say I liked the slippers. I thought so. Maybe Maybe not. I did. I, I, um, I will you say- liked the, Okay. You for sure liked bringing your own pillows and blankets. Pillows and blankets, I was yeah. really glad that I brought. And I do think if I hadn't had a baby, I would say that seems like overkill. That's a lot. But they don't give you a ton of pillows and it was nice to have extras. And same with the slippers. It's also one of these things where if you've ever been at the hospital, you know you can ask for something, but these nurses are in charge of many different patients. So it's going to be a while before they get it to you. And in fact, they might have like gone on to another shift by the time they get around to it. So you may have to ask multiple times. Really nice to have extra pillows and blankets. Also, because if anyone is accompanying you to the hospital, they are probably also going to have to figure out a sleeping situation and they probably don't have a bed for that person. Everybody's so they hospital can, situation they is different. pillow fort their way through this. That's right. I think yeah. Chris was really happy that we brought extra pillows and blankets. I separated all of these things into Ziploc bags. And then- This was really in a deep labeling phase for you. So <laughs> oh, I yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that turned out to be your favorite that is continues to pay dividends, <laughs> one of the bags was just called Bedside Comforts. I- I know you can't tell me this, and I know that I've asked before because you just don't know, and not as much thought was put into it as like a person could hope for. It's remarkable the name bedside comforts <laughs> that you came up with. This like you sat down, you had a bag in front of you, and you're like, well, and, and, to, and I guess we need the context of the content, which is headphones, face wipes, and one of those fans that mists. Uh huh. Um, and I feel like there were so. Oh, there was definitely like lip like lip balm, like little things sure. that you would want little, next to you, the things you would want on your nightside table. Bedside comforts. Bedside table, yeah. <laughs> bedside <laughs> table. So I guess maybe, so not so, to like, yeah. I, I think what happened is my <laughs> view of this, if I were writing the like yeah. internal like uh, monologue for this character, you started, you took these things out of your nightstand or whatever, and you start mm-hmm. to write bedside because that's where they come from, yeah. but they're not, <laughs> on your t- table anymore right. so you can't write table so you have to find something to say and comforts is it's so good i <laughs> will never tire of it i think the thing is like i think the other thing i was imagining was all of these ziplocs are going to be in my suitcase and i'm going to be in bed and i'm going to and one thing be that pushing, be nice, you're going to be like well one thing that's going to be nice is being able to ask chris or whoever like hey can you grab my thing it's in the ziploc labeled this and yeah. so it felt like nice to be able to be like, oh, it'll be in my bedside comforts thing because I know I probably won't have a bedside table. So this is my traveling bedside table. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, the yeah. things that are just going to be nice and useful to have near yeah. me. So so that it felt instructive in its way. No, I think that's right. I mean, I think I get that. You didn't, all, you didn't use anything in that bag. Not a single thing. <laughs> um, I think I thought the headphones would be useful to like talk to people on the phone. I don't yeah. know what 
I, I guess that was my thought. Face. I mean, you were so delirious and like j- just like exuberant that you uh-huh. were just FaceTiming. You oh, I FaceTimed gonna, like, everybody. You I FaceTimed you at phone call. <laughs> no, yeah. absolutely not. I FaceTimed you at the holiday, the pop-up we were having at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, having a baby. We're doing it. Like, God bless epidurals. Um, yeah. The fan mister thing I never used and I still haven't used and it's one of Cam's favorite toys now. But I will say that the lady in the YouTube video that I watched said it was clutch. So again, I, I wasn't in labor Everybody for Everybody has long. different experiences. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. I just um, think you're- And I even do like understand, Claire, as much as I was teasing you about makeup before, I understand that like you're sitting there packing and you're like, well, when I pack usually to go places, <laughs> right. I bring makeup. Like yeah. these are things that I bring. So why wouldn't I bring it? Um, well, and I was like, maybe- I I think another thought that I had that I think is truer for some people than others is like, I'm going to want to feel like myself. I'm going to want to like kind of look sort of nice. And there was a moment during my stay where I wanted to get out of the hospital gown. And I was glad to have something that felt like easy to put on that would make me feel like I was getting dressed. What were the things that you brought that were genuinely useful? Okay. This I do feel like is a secret that's shared on all of these vlogs about this that is actually useful, which is an extra long phone charger. Because I you, do think that's smart. You do want your phone charged and the outlet's never going to be close enough for your taste. Um, I actually was really happy, like I said, to have something to change into. When I, like my big adventure while I was at the hospital was that I took a breastfeeding class that was like three doors down from my hospital room and I put on uh, like a jumpsuit. An outfit. Yeah. <laughs> you changed. I, I changed into a cotton jumpsuit to walk down the hall and like meet the other moms who were taking the breastfeeding class. It felt like a very big, exciting thing. And it. And I remember my mom was like, you're really changing. And I was like, I don't know. I just like need to feel a little normal. And a jumpsuit was definitely the right thing. I could breastfeed in it. It didn't have a waistband. It didn't exert pressure anywhere. I did not want pressure. And you and I both own this incredible Eberge jumpsuit that would actually be perfect for this case. We'll link to it in the show notes. I mean, I will just say it's perfect for life in general yes. um, and for just like sleeping. And I, I think I didn't realize how nice it is to have pants, but no waistband to sleep oh, yeah. in. Um, and this thing is just wonderful. A sleep jumpsuit should be more of a thing in general, but this thing also, it's roomy enough that you could definitely wear it while pregnant. It would be wonderful for all stages and yes. low enough neck that you could breastfeed. I. And, and there's a strap this- you could just kind of like pull off your shoulder. Exactly. It's easy, 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 easy. It's wonderful. It's so soft. This feels like the perfect hospital like outfit, but non-outfit. Um, the other thing, a Camelback water bottle, because you never have enough water like in these scenarios. You should be drinking tons of it for many reasons during this uh, <laughs> this moment in your life. But the thing I love about the Camelbacks is that it's like a straw, so you don't have to bend over. It's very, yeah. like, you can... Drink it the, from the any bed position. can be positioned for however way it's going to be. Positioned. You can be like on all fours, like pushing, yeah, 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 and yeah, you yeah, could yeah. be drinking this thing. Yeah, yep, yep. Thank you so much to Skillshare for sponsoring today's episode. I don't know about you, but I feel like this has been one of those years where, you know, I put down some goals that I maybe wanted to achieve in 2020 and Mm -hmm. I did precisely none of them. Which is perfectly okay. (laughs) Which is perfectly okay. Which is, it was not a year for actually achieving goals, et cetera, et cetera. But maybe you'll Um, try again in 2021. 
that's the thing. Um, maybe I will try again in 2021. All that being said, I'm not exactly sure what 2021 is going to look like. <laughs> um, and so I should probably find a way to get excited about doing some of these things online or just like, I don't know, engaging um, with learning and growth on the internet in a way that I didn't do as much of in 2020 I, as I potentially could have, I guess. Um, so that is one of the reasons why I'm excited about Skillshare and just like the, I don't know, the full range of content and programming that is available there. So something I'm particularly excited to see is that Christopher Griffin, who I follow on Instagram, their handle is at plant queen, K-W-E-E-N. They are just like a very exuberant indoor plant enthusiast. And I have been wanting more from this person in general. And here it is right here for me. They teach a class called Plants at Home, Uplift Your Spirits and Your Space. And my both my spirits and my space <laughs> need uplifting's. <laughs> what more can I ask for? True. Exactly. Exactly. There are so many things on Skillshare that are worth diving into. There are guides to podcasting, embroidery, hand lettering, gardening, all the things, embroidery, like illustration, blah. Um, I'm certain that there are cooking classes that I could be taking um, and that that could be a good move for me too. Definitely. So Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning. With so much to explore, real projects to create, and the support of fellow creatives, Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. Also, it's incredibly well-priced, especially relative to a lot of other in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. So explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash a thing or two and get a free trial of premium membership. That's Skillshare.com slash a thing or two for a free trial of premium membership. Thank you all so much for supporting these sponsors that support our show. Okay. Then then the other two like really obvious things that everybody says is like, you need a car seat to leave the hospital. And then if you're doing a cord bank, you need the cord bank kit. That's like really all you need. But something to change into, long phone charger, water bottle, pillow, maybe a blanket, cord bank kit, car seat. Snacks. Snacks were actually very helpful. Snacks. Snacks. Um, Yeah. And I say this, you know, I was in a pretty standard hospital situation. Some people go to like a birthing center. Some people do it at home, which in which case you obviously don't need a bag. I also like, I wasn't in labor for that long relative to some, some people are, you know, pushing for, I don't know, like 12 hours or I don't know, I guess you probably don't actually push that long, but I pushed for like 45 minutes. If I were pushing for longer there, like maybe the face mister thing would have been a more important thing. So you never know. You also didn't have like a long postpartum stay or recovery. So it wasn't like you were, you know, you weren't showering and like wanting to do all of those things because you weren't there for days and days and days. I just think the only thing that I'm really going to come down hard on is the books. But again, if you need that to maintain a sense of identity, I mean, do it. Yeah, do it. I mean, Hannah Bronfman brought multiple outfits for the baby because she was like, I don't know what I'm going to want to dress him in when the mood, you know, when I'm getting ready to leave. I'm like, all right. Well, she didn't know that baby's personal style. Baby hadn't been born yet. Exactly. So I don't know. But I will say, like, it definitely, it's something to me that feels worthy of deeper study. I'm interested in some sort of a New York Mag article at some point that delves into the psychology of the hospital bag reveal. I love it. Okay. Something Mm -hmm. else we wanted to talk about that we've gotten some questions on, which 
fair. Yeah. Um, what are our jobs now? What the fuck do we do? <laughs> yeah. Good question. <laughs> I love that people are like, I don't think those two newsletters you write a week plus your podcast are, are filling up all of your time, which right. I'm like, fair, <laughs> fair that this doesn't seem more effortful, but <laughs> you know, maybe we make that look easy. We do. We make it look so easy. <laughs> all right. So yeah, I would say that we're at a place now where we're like, you know, pretty busy you know, filling yes. our days um, with a variety of things. One of them is the podcast and newsletter, which we think about sort of like a micro business at this yeah. point or like a micro media business. Okay. So let's talk briefly about the ways that we make money yes. from this thing. So one is ad sales, like yeah. pretty straightforward. We sell ads in our newsletter um, in the form of like our, our things, posts mm-hmm. um, with brands that we are really enthusiastic about and we write all that copy. Um, and then classified ads, which are a yeah. new thing for us, which we cribbed directly from Ann Friedman, um, who has been a real innovator in terms of that business model to give smaller businesses a way to advertise. Which has been great. And it's nice because, so, you know, I, I think most people listening probably know this, but we have a Monday newsletter that's free yeah. to everybody. And then we have send out a newsletter every Thursday that's part of what we call Secret Menu, which is a paid subscription. And the Monday newsletter, you know, we make some amount of money for, from, but it's certainly Secret Menu subscriptions help justify its existence. But having a more um, sort of like robust advertising program in the Monday newsletter has been great for us and has helped us be like, okay, this is, we can now spend more time on this. We can be more thoughtful about this. We can invest and pay people to design the templates and like do more interesting stuff with it because we're making money from it. It's also nice because those same advertisers can advertise in the podcast and it starts to be more effective when our audience is like, here's something about it in the podcast is probably driving, doesn't have time to act on it. And then later sees that same name pop up in our newsletter is like, right, I was interested in looking at that. I can click through, I can check this thing out, maybe buy it, use the coupon code, whatever it is. And by the way, like that's a really meaningful way to support us if you are so inclined. Um, if you're shopping from these yeah. brands, use our codes. Um, um, yeah, these advertisers- they keep track, they care. This is they like care. how they know if it works. <laughs> and they don't come back and advertise with us again if, if it's not if there are people aren't using the codes, if people aren't clicking through, and that's how we like continue to have this advertising program and are able to continue to provide the Monday newsletter for free. And the podcast. Yes. And the podcast for free also. Um, and by the way, like I'm also always interested to hear people's feedback on our ads. Like we want them to serve you. We are selective about who we work with. We turn down plenty of advertisers who just don't feel like a, that we could authentically endorse them or B, that our audience would benefit from knowing about them. But like you guys know when things are paid for and we call that out. And we like, if there are, if you, if people have thoughts about the advertising programs, I, I'd be very curious to hear them. Same. Another thing mm-hmm. um, across all of these things that, that we do under the like a thing or two umbrella, the newsletters and the podcast are affiliate links. So basically an affiliate link is a link that you use through a network um, where retailers have have joined to say that if someone buys something based on like clicking this link, your recommendation, you get a percentage of the sale. And the percentage of the sale could be like 2% or the percentage of the sale could be 20%. It depends completely on the brand or the kind of partnership. The way we think about affiliate is that we never use it to guide our choices, but we would be leaving money on the table if we didn't use the links when they were available to us. So probably like 
well, definitely less than half the links we use are affiliate links. And what we do is we'll put together our recommendations for every episode, and then we'll go and check and see which of these things or every episode or every newsletter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go check and see which of these things are on the affiliate networks. So we use shop style, reward style, share a sale and bookshop.org for books. Um, that's probably too much information for most people, but, <laughs> but if you are, like interesting well, but people, if you're a retailer, yeah. if you're yeah. a brand who's just like thinking about that stuff, those are the ones that we use and that a lot of our peers use as well. And a lot of small businesses are not set up on these uh, platforms because there's both like an expense to it and it, there, it's, and it's structurally. And it's to entry. Yeah. Like it's very, yeah. I've, it's I, complicated I, to set up. Yeah. I've had friends who run, run, you know, brands who have reached out to be like, okay, I feel like I need to get into the affiliate thing. And then I'll give them the mini explainer on it. And they'll be like, oh my God, this all feels yeah. like so much. Um, and even just like getting approved to be set up on some mm-hmm. of these networks as a retailer is a real bag of cats. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's a tech lift for sure. So yeah, yeah, it's very much like if the things we were already going to recommend happen to be available as affiliate links, we will use it. And it's a nice way to see some revenue from from the content we put out. And it is also one of those nice things in that it scales. Like the bigger our audience is, the more people are clicking on these links, the more money we're seeing from that. And that's a great thing for us. Oh, you know what other thing I really like about affiliate that we haven't talked about, that which is just like a nosiness thing, is because of the way affiliate stuff works, you can see how many people's like bought something from that yes. link. You can't see if they bought the actual product you recommended, but if you clicked, if they clicked through on something that we linked to on Etsy or whatever, um, you'll see if they bought something on Etsy. Um, and it's just like interesting to see like what people are excited about. What are they actually buying? What are we doing that's useful to them? Uh, and not everything we're doing is like consumptive, obviously. Right. Um, but in the cases where it is, it's, it's nice to know what people are like, oh yes, I do want to know about that and wanted to purchase it. I mean, one of the most, powerful examples to me is when we were running an e-commerce business and also publishing content. And we did the same newsletter and we used to link to a lot of beauty products. And we were like, wow, tons of people are buying the beauty products we're recommending. Maybe we should be selling beauty products on Kind, which ended up being a really successful category for us. And it's really cool to be able to respond to your audience in that way and like serve them more. We used what the they data, I think yeah. is what you're trying to. <laughs> That's right. We used, we, we let the data lead us. One actually. of the few <laughs> moments we were a data-driven company. Um, <laughs> rare, but, but successful. But yeah, I agree. It's really nice to be able to see what people are responding to in that way. The other like most recent uh, way that we have monetized this business is by launching Secret Menu, which we really, there were two primary motivations for launching Secret Menu, which is the paid subscription that will get you one extra newsletter a week. It was one, because we love doing the Monday newsletter and felt like we had so much more of that type of content to share of just like, here are all these discoveries. We were filled with content. <laughs> yeah, we, we were, were just with overflowing with content and needed somewhere to put it. And wanted to do it and wanted to have a reason to do it. But it was also wanting to attach a more reliable revenue stream to the newsletter to be able to say like, okay, I know that like this is generating a certain amount of revenue reliably each month and that I can therefore like justify the time that I'm putting into it. And especially as like ad sales tend to be not as consistent, certainly like in a year like this where, you know, the economy is all over the place and things change so quickly. Subscriptions are a really nice way to say like, okay, I know what to expect. And so it's been really exciting to see the response to that. I think one thing that is nice too is just that people who really love the Monday newsletter can 
support us in that way. And, and it can be like a vote of confidence behind that thing, even if you don't necessarily feel like you have the time or the need for a second newsletter in your inbox every week. It's a nice way to just say like, this is something I love and, there, and I want to continue to have in my life and therefore I will pay for it. I will say it's been really hard to think about subscription models and pricing in general. And I think part of this is because paying the idea of paying people directly to create content mm-hmm. um, as opposed to relying on like an ad revenue model is very new. Yep. And so what number, like what monthly or annual or whatever fee feels very low to some people feels very high to others. Um, right. And that is exactly the feedback we get. That it's oh, yeah. like, I'd pay so much more for this or like, this is too expensive. And it's really challenging. And I think, you know, right now Substack is driving a lot of that conversation and their their monthly minimum is five bucks a month. We charge, charge four, which felt like $1 a week, um, which felt like right. Well, um, and like the, when you're getting the Monday newsletter, it's like 50 cents a newsletter. Totally. Right? Exactly. Like it's, exactly. Yep, yep. Yep. And which I, is some of the feedback we get just really reminds me that I'm like, people think that they're paying just for this extra Thursday newsletter and they don't realize that part of their subscription is underwriting our ability to produce the Monday, the free Monday newsletter, which is something like I do kind of wish people understood more. But to your point, like, I don't think that's how people think about it. And that's certainly not the way the media business has taught anybody to think about it um, in the last 20 years. Yeah. And I mean, I do, we have seen notes from people in surveys and things that say like, I don't like paying for content. Um, which is a fascinating thing to read. And they're also the same, not to oversimplify or whatever, but I tend to think that they're also the type of people who get annoyed by advertising. Yeah. Um, And I'm like, ma'am, how do you think this works? Like, (laughs) what? The person creating the content has to make money in some way, shape, or form. Did you, you either have to pay for it or somebody else has to pay for it. So who's it going to be? Right. And it's also why I say like, listen, if you don't want to support us by paying the four bucks a month for this thing, fine. But like maybe click through on our ads every once in a while just to do us a solid. The other like interesting thing that we get that's been interesting to sort of like grapple with and I just think is an interesting conversation for us to have is that people saying like, well, the products you're recommending are too expensive or like you're just like encouraging uh, me to shop more and I don't want to spend money to spend more money which is totally fair and valid Absolutely. Um, feedback. I mean, any feedback's valid, of course, but like this yeah, is yeah, something yeah, yeah, that yeah. I just think of as interesting because I think when we share a lot of this stuff, we're not always saying you should buy this or we're going to buy this. A lot of the time it's outside of our budgets too. We tend to think about like discovery and sharing a lot of the time. It's just like, look at this amazing thing. Isn't it just exciting to know about? Um, Isn't it cool that someone's making this? Yeah. And I think that like- don't, aren't you glad to know? Exactly. Which, but that's like how we are. That's too. how we are. You said to me, we had a funny conversation the other day where you included a product for inclusion that I was like, we have to not include this because it's like $10, but $50 shipping. And you were like, I'll be better about not including that stuff. And I was like, no, I, I still want to see it. You can <laughs> yeah. still include it for me. Don't like, don't, <laughs> don't censor yourself for me. And I think one, one intention that maybe is not necessarily coming through for our audience all the time is that, that like, sometimes we just want to share stuff that's super cool, not because we think you should buy it or that like anybody should, but like, look at this. I want to know about the coolest wrapping paper, even if I'm not going to wrap anything in the coolest wrapping paper. Exactly. And, and, you know, maybe it's on us to say, okay, the bulk of our audience is actually looking at this as a shopping guide and we need to be more intentional about, you know, the assortment of of things that we share. Or maybe it's on us to like do a better job messaging. Like this isn't just about shopping. This is about like discovery and like products and recipes and whatever else that we love and think you might want to know about too. 
Yes. If you can't tell by how long we've gone on about this, um, (laughs) it has been fascinating for us to have been thinking about micromedia businesses in general and the idea of like the Substack economy and Patreon and the concept of a thousand true fans, which is something that surfaced, I think like 15 years ago, which is basically that, you know, a creative can uh, make uh, a living if they have a thousand true fans who are willing to pay to support them um, Which, and to like, buy their work. And more recently, the like new take on this is that it's actually a hundred true fans who would be willing to pay like two fifty a year or whatever for you if they thought that they could have act like a lot of access and mm-hmm. a lot of like direct personal attention from you. Yeah. Which also like is another interesting thing that we think about. Like, is there more of a desire for community on the part of our audience, and is like that something we want to offer to people? Like right now, we're sort of doing what we what we can in terms of offering this stuff. But the more people sign up, the more it gives us the opportunity to say like, okay, we want to add another component to Secret Menu. We want to like have a Slack channel. We want to offer added added value services or whatever it might be. Yep, yep, yep. I don't know. I just feel like I'm learning a lot just by the act of participating in it, mm-hmm. um, which we both enjoy. And I think we've we've bitten off a lot of projects um, for not totally driven by that, but, you know, like things like writing a book, like we wanted to write a book, but it's also just really interesting to learn about how <laughs> writing a book works. Truly, truly. And it's been really fun too, because this like Substack newsletter economy is so new. It's been fun to have friends and peers who are also doing it like Ann Friedman and like Colin Nagy who runs Why Is This Interesting and Courtney Martin and to talk to all of these people and say like, how are you doing this and how are you seeing people respond to this? And like, what do you do with your Slack channel? And like just sharing all of this stuff has been really fun and interesting and a nice like little community in and of itself. It's that you're starting to see some scenarios where these micro brands are coming together for bundled subscriptions or to do ad sales as like a sort of network. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I'm excited to watch and some, make, perhaps participate in some of that. It's cool. Yeah. So the other thing that we do yep. um, that takes up the bulk of our time, yes. um, <laughs> but not the bulk of this podcast, um, <laughs> is right. consulting work. Yeah. Um, yeah. How would you describe the consulting work we do? It It varies like from day to day, but I would say it's like, brand slash content slash digital, um, which seems really broad because it is. And I was thinking about like why it is so broad. And I was like, oh, because for 10 years, we were entrepreneurs, which means we touched every part of the business, which means- Every part of one business. Yeah, of one business. So we have expertise in like a lot of different areas at this point. So I, I was thinking about it and I realized that the projects that we are working on right now do feel like it very accurately speaks to the like breadth scope of and the breadth scope. and depth. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're working on a big social campaign for one company. We are working on a web slash e-com relaunch for another. We are working on a big designer collaboration and then we are doing a content production project. That's yeah. it, right? Yeah. That and checks the boxes. Yeah. 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 Um, and those are all things we're pretty interested in. <laughs> exactly. And good at. Um, yes. And it's been really fun. There's like, there are a lot of things that I love about consulting. And I will say like, it's still new for us. You know, it like we've been doing it for know, a little less than a year. And so I'm sure a couple years from now, I will hate all of these things I'm about to say that I love. <laughs> <laughs> Let's but- see. Let's hear them. <laughs> I love thinking about somebody else's business that's not mine. Like I love the sense of perspective that comes from that. I love the excitement I'm able to conjure about something that hasn't been like keeping me up at night for years. I love thinking about multiple people 
different businesses rather than, you know, thinking about just one business for years yeah. on end. Um, yeah. like for 10 years, we were so focused on one thing. And now here are these different problems to solve that are feel like new and fresh. And that because we have some distance from, we can bring something really valuable to. I really, I think with the, the idea of like solving different problems is mm-hmm. something that has been really satisfying for me recently. Part of the like bringing the things we've learned to solve those problems, but also just the problems aren't the same. Yes. Um, and I think when you do have a business, at least a kind of business that we had, the problems did start to become all the same. Yes. And it was hard not to get to that place where you were just beaten down by it. Mm-hmm. Or even when you would bring in new employees or whatever, you know, they would try to come up with new idea ways to solve those problems. And you were just like, yeah, but nothing works. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I, just banging our heads against I've wall. been doing this long enough to know that there's like actually no way to solve that problem. It's just like something that we've baked into the business model um, right. poorly and we're stuck with it. Um, yeah. That's the grave we dug. Yeah. No, it's it's really refreshing. And I, I will say the other thing I like about it that is like something that's been a common theme in all the work we do is just like helping brands that we're really rooting for or companies or people that we just like really love. And all of our clients are working on things that we feel really enthusiastic about and just want to see succeed and truly believe in. And I think in a previous life, that would make me want to like be part of the company and say, like, yeah. I, I want to make this my identity too. Now I'm really having fun being on the outside of it and saying, like, like, let me help how I can and let me like give this thing a boost, but not have to be so entrenched in it. Yeah. And I think one of our issues, or maybe it's our strength, depending on the way you look at it exactly, is being interested in too many things yeah. um, and having trouble reining ourselves in. And this has allowed us to apply that in a way that like serves us. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like nice to feel like, oh, I don't have to have a lane right. um, or no one can tell me that I'm like out of my lane. Yes. Agree. Yeah. Anyway. I will... I will say that like in general, this chapter and like who knows what sort of direction it's going in maybe a year from now, we're only consulting maybe a year from now, we're only doing like, you know, a thing or two, or maybe we're still doing all of these. Or maybe we're doing none of this at all. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we're doing something entirely new. Who knows? It has been nice to just like not carry the weight of a company on on our shoulders and to just and to not carry the weight of employees. I know I say that so often and maybe that's because like I cared too much or like liked our employees so much but it's just nice the simplicity of it having of it being like just you and me and money in the door and money out the door. That's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. You can listen to us wherever podcasts are found like Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. If you have ideas for the show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and much more on a thing or two HQ.com.